and we're back with another episode of the Anarchist Experience, episode 110, uh, coming at you live at an odd time. So I hope you found us somehow, some way, uh, this Saturday afternoon. As always, I am your host, Mr. Rich E. Rich, along with MC. And since this is your live Saturday call-in show, those numbers for you to dial are 303-335-9527 or 303-835-1301. That's 303-335-9527 or 303-835-1301. Uh, so what is going on with you this week, MC? Um, I just got back from the doctor to get my uh, state-sanctioned uh, license so that I can be not harassed uh, for medical marijuana bad agorist bad agorist i know such a such a failure <laughs> <clears throat> so yeah a little little bit frustrating and do you want to share with us what that process was like or any 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 frustrations with going through the process or just not, that you had not to really. do it really it's just that i had to do it um doctor seems all right um so I guess one of the issues is, uh, I, don't, I don't even want to bring it up, but anyway, the, the whole thing is, uh, yeah, I shouldn't have to do it. I should be able to treat my body however I want to treat it. Um, for those that don't know, I have thyroid cancer and, uh, I don't think it's going to kill me either way, whether I get medical marijuana or not. But like I said, I should be able to, you know, treat, treat it how I want to. So this is how I want to do it. And unfortunately I have to get a license. Have you been self-medicating with marijuana prior uh, to this? Uh, not really. Um, I wouldn't call it medicating because uh, with any medication, you have to take it regularly, and I have not done that. So, um, yeah, so my medication has not yet started. Um, I have been treating myself with mostly diet and supplements, and so far, so good. Okay, so you're not a regular, you're not a prior regular user of marijuana. Then this is something right. relatively new for you that you're looking into specifically for the treatment uh, of your right. thyroid cancer. Right. Okay, and if it weren't for the the medical rules and the and the the drug prohibitions, it's something that you would be able to just you know either plop up a plant in your backyard or or find someone who's you know selling your product and just yeah. having it easy easy as be a transaction like that. Yeah. Well, if there was no state involved at all, it would be super cheap and it would be at the corner store. And <laughs> there would be no violence or even concern. Uh And and for a lot of people, I think I think they just, you know, they they're finding out that where they have medical marijuana, a lot of people are choosing that over other uh prescriptions that that the doctors are giving. So, uh drug other drug uses down uh a lot you know with the with the inclusion of medical marijuana see if i had known that you wanted to talk about that i saw an article earlier that basically uh confirmed what you're saying uh which is that drugs uh like narcotics and other like you know opioids uh mm -hmm. are are you know on the decline as far as even overdoses and whatnot and use use and overuse uh, in areas where marijuana is being re-legalized. Yeah. So it goes and, with, and goes not, hand in hand with what you're saying. And not just opioids, but things like alcoholism as well. Um, so, you know, when, when given the choice, uh, a lot of people are, are choosing the thing that's 
you know, least least harmful. Imagine that. <laughs> yeah, it's so crazy. Um, yeah, but anyway, enough of that. Let's move on. Okay, but you're legal now? Everything's all good? You got your... Well, officially I'll be legal in, I guess, a month or so. Okay. Once I get my card. I have to wait for the state. You know, they don't, they're not, they're not capitalists. They don't, they don't do everything, you know, fast. <laughs> okay. Have Have you been, uh, have you been growing? Are you, I don't know if you want to like, you know, incriminate yourself on air. No. Uh, but ha- have no, you been growing and, and, you know, prior to this or you're, you're really waiting for the full on, uh, I've got my permission from the state before I do it, do it. Yeah. I'm probably going to wait. I, okay. I'm in no rush to do any of this, so. Not a big deal to me. Okay. Anything else going on? Uh, no, not not at the moment. I'm I'm sure. I I think it's something. All right. I think I think we're supposed to be going to war with North Korea. Um, so the, there was there was somebody that said that hey, it looks like we're gonna do it, and I said uh, I I called bullshit on it. I said this has happened before. This is all part of Trump's programming. So, uh, basically. The you know the powers that be are drumming up this uh, this uh, this you know conflict that isn't really a conflict, right? Saying that that North Korea shouldn't be allowed to test their weapons is like, well, why not? You know, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so uh, because they're the crazy ones that might actually do something with their weapons, unlike the U.S., who never right. does anything crazy with any sort of weapons or nuclear weapons, right? So, um, so anyway, it's, it's happened before they've done tests before and eventually they, they come out with, you know, come up with some sort of deal. Um, China seems like they don't want it to happen. Russia doesn't want it to happen. Um, so I think that is going to be basically where, where it, it stops. Um, and yeah, so it's happened before. I mean, so I, I think the odds are on my side. I, all I bet was a beer um, <laughs> that that there would be no war, and uh, a lot a lot of this is just um, I think it's manipulation of of people's power and and te- and testing people's patience and testing people's power. So, um, like who's going to jump first, kind of a thing. Well, not not that, but uh, so. so basically to to get people in the habit of of doing things the way they want them done um so if if i was a powers of ba i would say okay yeah we got to make up this threat in, in north korea and tell trump this is how you fight it and then after he's successful in doing that the way that they tell him to do it then he's going to basically believe that person again so he's gonna so he's basically programmed at this point right so he's gonna okay He's going to follow the leadership that has been through this before and succeeded before. And now he, now Trump's going to get all the praise for, uh, you know, ending the conflict or at least, you know, uh, you know, going back to the ceasefire that, you know, that we previously had. Um, and the, the government's going to win because, well, be, because there was a big, you know, uh, a real threat you know, so so dangerous now now we're gonna you know build more missile defense in hawaii uh and so a whole bunch of people are gonna get rich off of that and so that's gonna be a success so ev- everybody's a winner uh except for the taxpayer and and who cares about them right so 
as long as they keep paying their taxes. Right. Fair enough. I got nothing. So, so that's 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 how it, I mean that's kind of how it goes. I mean, do, do you really think this this North Korea you know threat scenario would be happening again if if Obama was still in another in office for another four years? Probably not because that's not his one of his big concerns anymore. And there's there's no political reason to to push Obama's buttons. So uh, right now there is for, for the establishment to to push his buttons because that that basically it, it it's, it's a way of control i think you know they they can kind of control the the narrative where you know what what kind of decisions are even being what what kind of problems are there to fix well if if trump's wasting his time on north korea and syria then he's not doing other things so so you think they're they're purposefully attempting to distract trump not not get. just distract, but uh, uh, it's uh, kind of like set, setting them up, like um, uh, like basically showing showing the ground rules, okay, of his position, showing him what he can do and how and how he can resolve things, and and so that's that's to me is totally like a fake threat. It's not real at all. Um, and it's just funny watching the news and the media. So, so one of the things they showed is is uh, North Korea shooting off a whole bunch of rockets at a hill, uh, you know, across across some water. Right. And so, so, so some of the comments are like, "Well, that hill never stood a chance." <laughs> it's like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> well, that's usually what all. happens. That's usually what happens with like a North Korean rocket test. It like it fizzles out halfway through and then explodes not where they were aiming for. And then they yeah, get, I mean, they go no, back. they were aiming for this particular hill, and they they hit it okay. with some, some, uh, some planes from the air, and they and, and some rockets from the beach. Uh, they're just they're, all the rockets were lined up on the beach. It's like okay, neat test, you know. You blew the heck out of that that hill, um, but it doesn't really mean anything. <laughs> so yeah, not North Korea, not a threat, not real. Um, it's just sad that so many people buy it and they believe it. Oh, I, I don't remember. I think we might have talked about this last week. But uh, Brian Chats was, he's a local politician. And he was uh, discussing North Korea in his, you know, town hall meeting or whatever. Right. And he brought up, he brought up North Korea being a threat and people freaking laughed at him. And that is the correct response. That kind of reminds me of like, the when 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 you say that like they laughed at him that one uh general or a politician who was like interviewing a general about Guam and having military station there and the concern that he brought up was that the island was gonna flip over. Do you ever see that? <laughs> no, I have not seen that. Oh my goodness. I, I will find that for you when we're done with the show because he he really like he's interviewing it's a congressman and he's interviewing a general, right, about military being stationed uh on Guam. And he's like my concern is that if we put too many people on there, that the island will capsize and flip over. <laughs> and the general, <laughs> and the general, right to his credit, with the, you know not 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 that he gets much credit aside from this, but with like a, a straight face, had to respond to this moron congressman, and basically say, um, 
you know, we're, we're, we're not concerned that that's a possibility. <laughs> and he did without, without laughing, like in all seriousness answers. That. So yeah, congressmen known to ask dumb questions about stupid issues. Um, and yet those are the guys that are elected by, you know, the dumb populace to, to do that job. Anything else? So, so at nope, the same ahead. time, the Brian Schatz also said that, uh, it's, it's, it's a potential danger, but not likely. And, and then he went on further to say that North Korea would, would probably attack mainland USA because it's a bigger target. And, and that just, you know, that just makes it even, even more ridiculous. Like they're going to attack California or something and then hit something of value. Yeah. I think, that, well, <laughs> so I guess, I guess if you're representing Hawaii, right, anything that's coming from the east would be a threat, right? And like California and the mainland U.S. would be less concerned about North Korea than, than Hawaii because if they're going to launch, well, I mean, if you're going to launch from North Korea, right, like one of the reasons why they attacked, I mean, Without the political and history lesson aside, like one of the reasons why Hawaii got attacked uh, during World War II is because it's it's a strategic location in the middle of the Pacific, currently controlled by the U.S. Oh, sure. Right? As a, as a mili- as a military front, uh, you know, to to launch toward the east. So right. if you're North Korea and you're going to launch an attack at the U.S., well, in the middle of the o, you know, halfway between here and there, right, is Hawaii. Uh, with U.S. military bases stationed, you know, all over the islands, so it's not, it's not out of the realm of possibility that if they were going to attack from that direction, right, that Hawaii would be one of the main targets, right? Any any of the any of the protectorates like, you know, uh, Guam or, or American Samoa is also kind of like between here and there, uh, but Hawaii is definitely like you know one of the states with all the military bases. Well, sure, uh, but I. But I, I'm I'm more coming at it from like they don't even have the capability of hitting Hawaii if they tried. Yeah, so, I, which is I agree with you, but you know, so, which means it's so less even less likely be, that they can hit California. Being being rational, I would say Hawaii is not one of the main targets. Mainland USA is definitely not one of the main targets. It's probably going to be Japan and South Korea, and that's probably as far as it's going to get. Yeah. Because that's about as far as as they can hit, but but mainland Japan or you know China or whatever isn't isn't like I'm going to say isn't a really a strategic defense interest for the United States, right? Whereas if they, if they could get to the United States, the easiest target would be Hawaii. Sure. Yeah, but I agree that it's zero chance, and if zero chance for Hawaii, even less chance of of mainland U.S. Right. completely. Right. And so and so all, the, all this this hype about. Uh, North Korea and and the U.S. generals and stuff saying that oh the, th- the threat is credible is is just because uh, they want to you know they want to spend more money they want to get build more missile defenses and shit uh, yeah give totally, their contractor uh, buddies some some pay yeah anything else nope. all right well like I said I I had a wedding to go to this morning I don't really want to talk about it but it's just it's kind of uh, set the tone for my day um, and kind of, uh, I guess, the week. So I haven't really been paying much attention to much because uh, this was kind of a big deal um, for a, a boss friend of mine, um, which is why we started the show late because I had to go do that and then come here. So I really got nothing going on. Uh, so we can jump right into headlines this week. Um, 
If you're ready. Ready. All right. Headlines. Uh, after challenging red light cameras, Oregon man fined $500 for practicing engineering without a license. Uh, headline. Surveillance and wars on whistleblowers leading to less press freedom. Uh, headline. Oh, bugger. Uh, free trade as a general rule. Headline. Uh, why we have a Second Amendment. Venezuela arms loyalists to eradicate unarmed resistance. Headline. Lawsuit aims to force Catholic hospitals to, to perform transgender-related surgeries. And finally, headline. Uh, IMF confirms that it wants to remove all cash from the global economy. Uh, any place in particular you want to start this week, MC? Um, I don't really want to start there, but I want to say about the IMF uh, wanting to remove all cash from the global economy. I said, and I want to just do a shout out from Monero because um, it's kind of like digital cash. Um, you can't hold on to it. It's not like paper, but um, you can spend it like cash and it's uh, not traceable. So, um, Well, let's get into the article before you start hyping up all these non-cash things that the IMF might be might want to have in your wallet. You never know. Could be could be their way of, of finagling in and getting the cashless society that they want. Let's read the article, but I'm okay with you. Like, you know, Monero, Bitcoin, whatever. To each his own. Uh, the March 2017 policy paper argues for a sweeping reduction of the role of currency, its cash component, in favor of a transferable deposits by promoting a soft-line stance that should, should be phased in steps with a focus on PR and continuing adjustments that have already been accepted by the general population. These uncontested steps include the phasing out of large denomination bills, the placement of ceilings on cash transactions, and the reporting of cash moves across the borders. Uh, they have been accompanied by a familiar narrative, focusing on the supposed criminality that benefits from using legal tender. Uh, the European Union called their 500 uh, euro bill an instrument for illegal activities when announcing its phasing out. Uh, while in the UK, many customers have, the, have had their attempts to withdraw large sums of cash refused by banks. In Australia, the conversation has focused on drug dealers and the hoarding of $100 bills, while India took an overnight hardline stance against corruption when de demonetizing their large denomination bills. Uh, this is not what the people want. Despite the narrative, the policies are still unpopular, as many fear the privacy implications, some, something that Kiryev acknowledges. Uh, people may have valid objections. Decaching leaves both individuals and states more vulnerable to disruptions, ranging from power outage to hacks uh, to cyber warfare. Uh, the focus on cash and criminality has increased since the financial crisis of 2008. However, it wasn't until the 2016 publication of The Curse of Cash by former IMF economist and Harvard professor Kenneth Rogoff that momentum really started to build in the West. Long, th long thought to have the ear of monetary policy elite Rogoff's book argued for the phasing out of hundreds, fifties, and even $20 bills, despite a reliance on cash transactions by the lower classes and underbanked, uh, taking full control over your accounts. It is a movement that may hide an ulterior motive. According to The Economist and noted gold bug Jim Rickards, Rogoff's book, an elite step-by-step -step plan to eliminate cash entirely, uh, with the world having gone deeper into debt since 2008, Records believes the next crisis will see a Greek-style freezing of the system instead of more liquidity injections like we saw when Lehman Brothers went bankrupt. Uh, hence, the desire to turn cash into digital deposits, 
Not only does this allow banks to grow their deposit base, enabling a higher rate of lending, but it means that in an event of a crisis, funds can be raised by forcing depositors to take a haircut. Uh, in, in the world where these restrictive policies are implemented gradually, the precedent has been set as bank and a bank holiday that leads to an involuntary haircut will be the next step, as alluded to in the IMF paper. Uh, Bitcoin is not money, IMF analyst. For cryptocurrency advocates, the bank holiday scenario is an emblematic use case for Bitcoin. Although the IMF doesn't see it that way, uh, Kiriev states that Bitcoin is not a form of electronic money, defined as using a cryptography to authenticate transactions and protect data, because it does not meet the criteria, writing, Bitcoin is not issued by a central bank and is not widely accepted as a medium of exchange. Uh, Bitcoiners may point out that issuance is considered a feature, not a bug, and in the event of large-scale decaching or a sudden Greece-style default event, the aspect of money that Bitcoin does fulfill may become vitally important to the general population. Uh, no issuing authority means no government can change the supply schedule, and if central authorities decide to devalue or tax the currency supplied they control, it could be assumed that currency will flow into an area where that does not happen. We have seen this with loose correlations between the devaluing Chinese yuan and spikes in the Bitcoin price. We have also seen spikes on Brexit, which shows the markets either value the autonomy of Bitcoin or market makers are exacerbating the impact of a particular news event. It may be a bit of both, but sometimes these trends are self-fulfilling, increasing the use of Bitcoin as a store of value. Uh, much of this remains hypothetical. However, if we accept the decaching is coming as Kiriev paper proposes, being aware of what the policy elites have in store may keep you and your money a step ahead of the game. Uh, basically, the end of the article. Uh, Bitcoin, uh, Monero, uh, Litecoin, Dogecoin, whatever altcoin you happen to be using or happen to be in favor of, um, I think, you know, with Bitcoin being the biggest and them saying that Bitcoin is not considered money, uh, all the others, including Monero, will simply fly under the radar, uh, as you were saying, MC, and still be used uh, by the general population. Other than that, uh, your thoughts on this article about losing the ability to use cash? Um, yeah, well, they, they mentioned it um, <laughs> and they, they don't seem to care. Uh, the you know poor people or the underbanked are going to suffer from... Uh, not having 20s to spend. Um, I, I can't even believe that's a proposal to, to get rid of $20 bills. Um, uh, most people would be uh, pretty upset uh, not to be able to carry 20s. Um, so I don't know. It's just just weird. But um, I, yeah, I do think it's, it's probably coming. Um, I don't know when, uh, but I, I think they should go. I think they should add back in $1,000 bills. I agree. Um, and partially because I've said in the past that the, the 50 is the new 20 um, when it comes to, you know, like regular expenditures for, for cash people. Um, and if it's not there, you know, yet, uh, I think, you know, with, with uh, price increases and inflationary policies, uh, it soon will get there. Um, where, you, you know, you, just, you, you carry 50s like you would carry 20s because things have just become, have hit that price point. Right. The reason people, you know, the reason 20s are, are you know, such a value denomination um, is because of, of you know, it, it's kind of like right in the middle as far as denomination. Right. You know, you, you can use a 20 to buy just about anything and you don't have to carry a lot of them to buy the expensive stuff. Um, but pretty soon it'll, you know, just be like the 10s or 5s um, where they're they're too small, you know, for most transactions. 
Um, and then you'd have to, you end up carrying a lot of them for the larger ones. And then, you know, then you just bump it up, you know, one level, uh, to, to the $50 mark, um, where that becomes, you know, like I said, where, where the 20 is today. Right. Um, and if you get rid of that, well then, yeah, then, then you end up, you know, it's not, it's not so much that people are going to stop using cash or that it hurts the poor. It's just going to be more uh, burdensome and cumbersome for them to spend it. Cause now instead of twenties and fifties and hundreds, they're going to be carrying around wads of tens and fives and ones, uh, because they still need to use that. You know, if they're, if they're not, uh, banked or underbanked or whatever, they still need to use that for their, you know, daily transactions. And it's just more for them, you know, more for them to carry as long, as long as you're going to have, you know, ones and fives and tens in circulation. Um, it's just, that's what people are going to end up using. And, you know, we've seen, we've seen the pictures, right. Of people wheelbarrowing, uh, money around in other countries to pay for, for general items. Uh, and if you just had, you know, bigger bills, uh, you know, for, for, for that, uh, you know, it, it wouldn't be a wheelbarrow. It would just be like one piece of paper instead of, you know, thousands of pieces of paper, uh, to, to pay for things. So if you bring the thousand dollar bill back, you know, you could, you, you, you could walk into, you know, the supermarket, right. With $1,000 bill for your, uh, you know, your, your bread and milk, uh, as opposed to, you know, how many, um, was that a hundred, hundreds of $10 bills, uh, to, to buy the same thing. Yeah, so I think we should, I guess, jump over to what's happening in Venezuela. We have another article. Why we have a Second Amendment. Yes. Venezuela arms loyalists to eradicate unarmed resistance. Yes. Uh, after talks of peace between pro-government loyalists and opposition groups broke down in December, uh, Venezuela has descended into chaos. Food and medicine shortages, a collapse of their currency, eh, there you go, and an encroaching, encroaching police state by a failing regime have caused a state of turmoil that seems impossible to quell. However, Venezuelan President Nicolas Maduro may have just found his answer. Slaughter the resistance. Uh, over the past few weeks, millions of Venezuelans have taken to the streets in a mega protest against what they call the Maduro Dictatorship. Uh, these protesters have been met with a heavy backlash from Maduro. Earlier this month, Maduro used helicopters. Eh, and caps love that. Uh, Maduro <laughs> used helicopters to drop tear gas on protesters, and clashes with p police have left dozens dead. Uh, because of the protesters outnumber the police, Maduro has come up with a unique way to battle his problem with dissent. Kill them. Uh, last week, Maduro announced that he will be arming as many as 400,000 civilian loyals to the regime. Uh, as Fox News reports, speaking to thousands of militia members dressed in beige uniforms gathered in front of the presidential palace, Maduro said that the vision remains relevant as Venezuela continues to face imperialistic aggression. Uh, a gun for every militiaman, he cried. What will be particularly effective about Maduro's plan to arm his loyal citizens is the fact that the other citizens have all been disarmed. Uh, in 2012, using the guise of civilian violence and the government's promise to keep its citizens safe, Venezuela banned the private ownership of guns. All law-abiding citizens quickly followed the rules and turned in their weapons. However, as was predicted, the criminals did not turn in their guns and the homicide rate spiked following the ban. Uh, Venezuela's homicide rate went from 73 per 100,000 people in 2012 to 82 per 100,000 people in 2015. Now it is only the criminals and governments who have guns, uh, and one and the same to me, the law-abiding citizens who want to oust their would-be dictators and our fish and bucket to the tyrants. 
Uh, and when there are 400,000 more gun barrels pointed at them from the recently armed loyalists, you can rest assured that their demise, or at least the very least, their silence is almost guaranteed. To those who study the evolution of socialist dictatorships, the scenario is all too familiar. A tyrant takes over by duping the citizens into thinking they can provide everything for free. When the tyrant is unable to fulfill these promises and had squanders the nation's resources, the people become angry, uh, but not before they are disarmed. When the unarmed people rise up, they demand the tyrant to leave. Now, however, the socialist tyrant can easily refuse as he's the only one with guns. Uh, it's because these situations, like the one currently unfolding in Venezuela, have played out numerous times throughout history that the founders of America chose to put the Second Amendment in the Constitution, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Uh, the Second Amendment wasn't put into place so Ted Nugent could piss off liberals in a horrible reality TV series, series or the Duck Dynasty folks could shoot their dinner. It was put there because of the ability of people to defend themselves is the only thing standing in between of freedom and slavery. Of course, a society without guns sounds fantastic, and in a perfect utopian world, it would be nice to not need a gun. However, we do not live in utopia. It is not about clinging to the Second Amendment or being addicted to firepower. It's about protecting you and your family, and no one having the right to hinder that protection. As John Locke stated, self-defense is the first law of nature. Each person owns his or her own life, and no other person has a right to take that life. Those who would attempt to stop you from defending yourself are attacking the very right from which all other rights are derived, protection of one's own life. Uh, your thoughts on this article and uh, gun ownership in general, MC? Oh, very well uh, said and written. Um, yeah, uh, so Venezuela is, is the, I think everybody should be paying attention to what's going on over there. Um, it's It's really sad that this, that the media is so distracted by the non-threat of North Korea that we can't have more eyes on what's happening in Venezuela because it's it's truly amazing um, and and it's very relevant to uh, you know the rights that we have in in the Constitution but just the the ideas that that are more important than the actual writing is that uh like he states at the end of this article you know if you if you own your own life then you should be, have the right to uh, protect your own life and anybody who's coming after that doesn't care about your life <laughs> they they care about their own so um uh yeah this is very relevant to uh the idea of government or uh tyrants um I don't know, what do you think? Um, well, from my perspective, you know, it, I look at it and I go, well, man, it, it, I don't, I don't like, I don't like falling back on the constitution for, you know, what is or what isn't my right. 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 You know? and, I, and I agree with that. That's why I said that the idea is more important than what's in the writing. Right. Um, but, you know, people had ideas back then. They just happened to put them in, you know, if, if it hadn't been for the, I guess the the amendments, uh, the Bill of Rights, um, it, it probably wouldn't have lasted this long. <laughs> it probably would have crashed already. Yeah, I, and I get that. I get that somewhere along the line, you know, those particular documents um, instilled in the vast majority of the 
culture, right, a certain set of values um, that, you know, that, that, you know, as we talked about for other issues, doesn't necessarily exist uh, in other cultures, right? In, in the past, we've discussed, you know, the, the you know, private ownership of, of Indian lands, right? Not Native Americans, but of like, you know, Indian Indians. Um, and because they, they don't come from a culture of, you know, how, how you act um, with private ownership, no one really knows what to do with that. So I can see where on the issue of guns um, in general, right, the, the fact that the founders wrote this stuff down and put it in the amendment um, that the, the, the average American citizen has a, a certain mindset uh, towards firearms and something that like, you know, see, this is what separates, you know, us from, you know, the, those savages and those communists uh, out there, right? You know, they're the ones um, that, that are able to take their guns away because it's not written down in paper. And I go, well, just, you know, just because they wrote it down in Venezuela, right? Uh, like, the, like the article said, um, you know, the, the, the criminals still have the guns, right? The, and, and the government. So you got the criminals and the government still have the guns. Um, but it was still the, the Venezuelan citizens who voluntarily, right, turned over their weapons when, when asked for it. And if you want to say that, the American mindset is different, right? Well, you know, when they, when they come for my guns, they're going to leave with bullets, right? I don't, I don't necessarily think that that's the case. Um, eh. And it, it depends who you ask though. There's, there's a lot of, I mean, there's, there's entire groups that are founded on the second amendment. Um, you know, and I'm not saying that because it's in the constitution, it, it's, that's why we should appreciate it. But it's it's carried a lot of weight. Yeah, and I guess the best example that I have, I go back to the gun confiscations that happened during um, Hurricane Katrina in New Orleans, where they sent you know the the police and the military around um, for the protection of the people. They just they they just rounded up private citizens' guns. Right, that was the thing. There's video you know there's video evidence of them showing up on people's doorsteps, going like, uh, "We know you have guns in here. We're going to need to ask you for those." Right. Hmm. And, it, and it's at that very moment, right, where you go, well, no, because there's criminals out there with guns. And that's why I'm keeping mine for protection. And they go, no, no, ma'am, we're here for your protection, but we're going to need to ask you for those guns. Right. <laughs> that's right. the time to put a bullet in them. Right. That's the, that's the time you go, well, you're the criminal now for trying to steal my property and I'm going to defend my property. And my and I didn't see I didn't see a lot of like firebacks from private citizens against, you know, the police and the military uh, attempting to to confiscate guns during a, a national emergency or a natural disaster type situation. So right. I, I can also envision a scenario, right, where where it's not even a natural disaster type of thing. They just go like, no, no, we just we just passed the law. We're just going to we're, we're here to collect. You know, we we've got the documentation right here that says, you know, you're no longer allowed in this particular county. Uh, do you have, have this particular firearm or this particular defense weapon? And, you know, it's time to turn them in, right? And people go, oh, man, well, my Second Amendment. I go, oh, no, no, we over, this supersedes the Second Amendment. Yeah, I mean, we, you know, we looked at the Second Amendment and it doesn't quite qualify uh, for, for what this law encompasses. So just go ahead and turn them over. And someone will scratch their head and they go like, well, I guess it's the law. And then turn guns over, right? But that's the time you shoot them. <laughs> that's the appropriate time to fire back. Uh, 
and 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 again, I just I don't I don't necessarily foresee uh, a lot of the you know the the quote unquote militia movement um, getting into a firefight, and partially it's you know for self preservation reasons, right? It's not mm-hmm. like they're going to send the unarmed uh, you know the the unarmed bureaucrat to go collect the guns. Uh, well, if they if, know you got them and they know you're not going to be like willing to turn them over, they're going to come as, and outgun you to collect. As long as it's as long as it's Donald Trump saying to give up your guns, I guess they'll probably do it. But if it was Obama, no, they they wouldn't do it if Obama was in office. <laughs> they still would have did it. I mean, that's one of the things like the, all, all the talk about, you know, he's coming for our guns and we got to stock up now. The fact that he never actually came for the guns, right, to his credit, yeah. right, there was never right. there was never a gun confiscation. Uh, outside of Hurricane Katrina, right? Because there was never one to put to the test, it never became an issue, right? right. But if 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 Obama had said it, it'd have been the same thing, right? Well, I guess it's the law, you know. And now if Trump says it, it'd be even more so because hey, Trump's our guy, right? No, no, we we can trust Trump. Uh, so here, take our guns, you know. Yes, yes, let the police have them because we need. Now that we don't have them, we need to be protected. Uh, I, you know. Ah, man, in my opinion, right? That's why I get the outlet for this. In my opinion, uh, a, a lot of that um, militia movement uh, is pomp and circumstance, uh, and and a, a lot of a lot of bark and no bite, right? Um, and I I have the the same general feeling, and I've shared. I don't know if I've shared this on the air. Um, the same general feeling, and I don't know if it's going to connect perfectly, but with like road rage incidents, right? Road rage incidents to me are an exception to the rule. Cause I think for the most part, uh, when people are on the road and get into like, you know, an altercation or a scuffle, a lot of it is like, uh, uh, chest puffing and, and, you know, and, and, you know, pump puffing up and, and again, like pomp and circumstance, right? You just, you, you posture, posturing is the word I'm looking for, uh, chest puffing and posturing where you, you're both issuing a threat. Like, you know, if, if you step to me, I'm going to take you out. Right. And the other guy, you know, and, and someone backs down before any violence occurs. Right. So whoever, whoever puffs their chest out more and, and postures a little bit bigger and appears to be the more crazy of the two people in the altercation, right. will usually, uh, feel good about having won the altercation. Like, look at that pussy. He backed down. Right. But at the same time, you didn't want to fight anyway. Right. You can you can posture all you want, um, but it's all bark and no bite. And then occasionally, right, you get the real road raid incidents where some guy goes, well, I've got the firearm. So if you're going to if you're going to bark, I'm going to bite. Uh, and that's when it gets that, you know, that's the, the rare occasion um, where where the minor altercation gets out of control. And even rarer than that, right? You get the two guys who both have the bite, um, and you know, then then you then then you end up with like the rare firefight. So, is there a militia guy out there that will fight back and you know be taken out uh, when they come for his gun? Sure, you know, but I I think he will be the exception to the rule, uh, and I think most of those uh, most of those militia guys and Second Amendment, you know, whatever the oath keepers, even the oath keepers, right? They'll they'll back down eventually. Um, even the what was it the, the Bundy Ranch standoff, right? It was all posturing, right? They said we're going to take the cows, and they came with guns, and then enough people, you know, with more guns came to the Bundy Ranch and said, "Well, no, you're not." But no one fired a shot, right? No one, no one like said, "Look at those federal agents, 
uh, you know, up on the bridge over there, you know, with their snipers getting ready to shoot. We've got to go take those guys out, right? They went, well, let them shoot. And then once they shoot, then woo, we're going to shoot back. And the feds were standing there. It was like, well, as long as they're not violent, we're not going to get violent. You know, it was, it was all posturing. And then the one team backed down and they went, all right, they backed down and we can all go home now. Um, but if they wanted to, right, if the feds really, really wanted to, like, make a show of force, uh, they just come back with more firepower, right? They, 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 they steal the money of the regular person uh, and, and spend it on military and weapons and all that stuff. Like, there's, there's no doubt that they have more firepower than the general population. And if it ever came to a show of force, uh, they would be able to, you know, use that show, use that display, use that posturing more effectively uh, than the militia guy with, you know, a, a basement full of AK-47s, um, you know, and, and high caliber rounds, right? You know, you, the, the, the militia's not rolling around in like, you know, Humvees and tanks. Um, they might be better marksmen, might be a better shot, but they'll, they'll get bowled over. Uh, so, I, so in my opinion, it's just about the posturing and under the threat of being bulldozed uh, by the feds and by the, the, the might of the American military, um, they'll back down and turn in their guns. MC? Sure. I, I, I'll go along with that. Okay. So when it, you know, so, so jumping back into the article was like why we have the Second Amendment. Well, we have it, and again, it's, it sets a good mentality uh, in the minds of the people, but I don't, I don't think – I don't think it's necessarily that mentality um, that separates us from like Venezuela, right? We just, we're, we're not far along that path yet. Uh, and when I say we, you know, the, the, the United States, we're, we're not along, we're not far enough along uh, that socialism starving in the streets path yet for it to matter, right? There's no reason to confiscate uh, the citizens' guns at this point uh, because the citizens aren't threatening to do anything. Right. Where, there were, you know, there, there's not a lot of starving in the streets. There's not a lot of, you know, hostility to take over. There's not a lot of, you know, like, oh, we got it. We're, we're you know, by hook or by crook. We got to get them out. Um, you know, the vast majority of people still wake up in the morning. They still go through their daily routine. They still cast their vote during election time. Um, they, they bitch about politics, but they don't do anything about it. There's not a taxpayer revolt yet. Right. So there's no reason to go like, well, you know what? It's time we go get those guns because what we have planned is next. Yeah, we, we're gonna make we gotta make sure that they don't have them. Um, but I think it's it's again it's a slippery slope that we're headed down, and at some point it's gonna it's gonna be an issue whether it's under Trump, uh, you know, in the next few years, or if it's under Zuckerberg, uh, come twenty twenty, uh, or or you know wh- whoever they bring up to to run against Trump. Um, if, he, if, he, if Trump even wants to run again, that'll be interesting. That'll be an interesting election. If he goes, no, that's all I wanted to do. I'm done. Um, <laughs> but either way, right, you know, you can kick the can down far enough, but eventually you got to pick that up. And at some point they're going to try. And it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, where, where the militia and where the defense guards stand uh, when the actual gun confiscation is coming around. Um, when they're actually trying to take the guns as opposed to just, you know, talking about it and, and posturing and puffing up the chest. Right on. All right. Moving on. Where do we want to go? I want to read this one. I, you know, I didn't even, as I was doing my show prep, I didn't even realize how reason heavy it was this week. So good on reason. Um, cause I guess it was a, a kind of a slow news week for, for me at least I had trouble 
picking out these articles or coming across them. I've been doing it all week. If you, if you notice, like when I post the show prep, it's been kind of, kind of sporadic. Because um, that's when I have time to do it, and that's all I could find when I, when I was doing it. Uh, after challenging red light cameras, Oregon man fined $500 uh, for practicing engineering without a license. Uh, when Matt Yorstrom's wife got snagged by one of Oregon's red light cameras in 2013, he challenged the ticket by questioning the timing of the yellow lights at the intersection where cameras had been installed. Since then, his, rea- his research into red light cameras has earned him attention in local and national media. In 2014, he presented his evidence on an episode of 60 Minutes and an invitation to present at last year's annual meeting of the Institute of Transportation Engineers. It also got him a $500 fine from the Oregon State Board of Examiners for Engineering and Land Surveying. According to the board, Nielstrom's research into red light cameras and their effectiveness amounts to practicing engineering without a license. No, really. Uh, Yalstrom had sent a letter to the board in 2014 asking for the opportunity to present his research on how to, uh, on how two short yellow lights were making money for the state by putting the public safety at risk. Uh, I would like to present these facts for your review and comment, he wrote. Uh, instead of inviting him to present, the board threatened him, citing state laws that make it illegal to practice engineering without a license. The board told Yalstrom that even calling himself an electronics engineer and the use of the phrase, I am an engineer, in his letter were enough to create violations. Apparently the threats weren't enough because the board followed up in January of this year by officially fining Yalstrom uh, $500 for the supposed crime of practicing engineering without being registered. Uh, Yalstrom is now suing the state board over that fine, arguing that it's unconstitutional to prevent someone from doing math without government's permission. Uh, He's getting support from the Institute of Justice, a national libertarian law firm. Uh, Criticizing the government's engineering isn't a crime. It's a constitutional right, says Sam Gedge, an attorney at the Institute for Justice, in a statement. Under the First Amendment, you don't need to be a licensed lawyer to write an article critical of a Supreme Court decision. You don't need to be a licensed landscape architect to create a gardening blog. And you don't need to be a licensed engineer to talk about traffic lights. Uh, but apparently for you, MC, you got to be like a licensed gardener to grow those plants you were talking about earlier. Uh, moving it back into the article. Uh, the notion that it is somehow illegal for Yalstrom to call himself an engineer is absurd. He has a degree in ele- electrical engineering from Sweden, worked as an airplane camera mechanic in the Swedish Air Force, and has worked in a variety of technical jobs since immigrating to the United States in 1992. In Oregon, though, all that matters is whether he has a state-issued license. Uh, as crazy as Yolstrom's story is, it is not the first time the Oregon State Board of Examiners for Engineering and Land Surveying has been overly aggressive about enforcing their rules for who and who is not an engineer. According to the lawsuit, the State Board investigated Portland City Commissioner Dan Saltzman in 2014 for publishing a campaign pamphlet that mentioned Saltzman's background as an environmental engineer. Uh, Saltzman has a bachelor's degree in environmental and civil engineering from Cornell University, a master's degree from MIT's School of Civil Engineering, and a membership of the American Society of Civil Engineers. What he isn't, though, is a licensed engineer in the state of Oregon. According to Yalstrom's lawsuit, the board spent more than a year investigating Saltzman's background before voting to issue an official warning against uh, against using the word engineer incorrectly. In another case, the state board investigated the Republican gubernatorial candidate for using the phrase, I'm an engineer and a problem solver, in a campaign ad. Uh, The candidate in question, Alan Alley, had a degree in engineering from a Purdue university and worked as an engineer for Boeing 
and of course wasn't trying to lie about his lack of an Oregon issued license, but was merely making a freaking campaign ad. But it doesn't stop there. In 2010, the state board issued a $1,000 fine for illegally practicing engineering uh, to local activists who told the L.A. Pine or the La Pine, Oregon City Council uh, that a proposed new power plant would be too loud for nearby residents. The board once investigated Portland Monthly Magazine for running a story that described a young, young immigrant woman as an engineer behind Portland's newest bridge. Uh, the wom woman in the story did not describe herself as an engineer, but the magazine's editors included that description in the headline, the board concluded. Uh, Yalstrom's lawsuit isn't seeking any monetary damages. He only wants a judicial order telling the state board to stop violating the free speech rights of Oregonians. Uh, anyone should be allowed to talk about the traffic signals if they're too long or too short or anything without being penalized, Yalstrom says. Uh, so your thoughts on this article, MC, uh, about licensing in general or just the, the state board doubling down uh, when getting caught, uh, you know, using using their uh, technology for nefarious purposes. Yeah, I don't know. The, the, the way I still see it is like they, they've the government literally has nothing better to do uh, than than harass people and and then make up silly reasons. <laughs> uh why it should be able to find people and then i mean it's it's so absurd to find some find somebody for practicing math or <laughs> right like wh where where do these people come from you know it's like they they are too stupid to exist um and uh yeah if it, i i i really think uh if there was no government there there'd be a lot a lot more unemployed people because uh where where would these idiots find employment <laughs> you know Cemetery. i wouldn't trust them i would not yeah i would not trust them to dig a hole <laughs> in the ground i would not trust them to flip a burger it's okay um, we got robots to flip burgers now yeah yeah so that's how i feel about people in the government Wasting their time, wasting my time. Well, that's everyone in the government, no matter what they're doing. Right? Just wait, waste of time, waste of resources. And I go like, well, it's a useful service. Well, if it was that useful, you wouldn't need the government to do it, you know, type of a thing. Um, but in this case, right, it's, you know, it, it, it's silly enough. Um, it's silly enough that they have the rule in place that you can't call yourself an engineer unless you're licensed in the state. Um, because clearly all the examples laid out in the article are of actual engineers, whether or not they're doing engineering work or, you know, uh, or giving commentary on, on issues that require an engineering background, right? Uh, the fact that they go, well, you know, we're, we're not going to like, we're not going to argue the merits of his report, right? We're not going to take a look at the actual information he's providing, we're not going to actually review uh, the the use of our red light cameras and whether or not they're you know causing public harm. No, no, no. Uh, what we're actually going to do is find the guy for using the wrong term, right? And you know, I had a discussion um, similar to this uh, with no no fines involved with a, a friend of mine uh, years ago um, over the use of the word like contract, right? And I, I you know I said, well, it's a contract, and he goes, well. The only way, this was his argument, right? It was the only way you can have a real contract 
uh, is if you have a state, because the only way to enforce the contract is through you know the state apparatus, right? Like that's the only way uh, to 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 that you that your contract has any validity or validity or any bearing whatsoever. And I said, well, if we're gonna get hung up on you know like you know the legal state definition of what a contract is right then i'll just include i'll just make up a new word right i said i think i called it like a contract with a with an e instead of an a you know at the end right and and what a contract is was everything a contract is without that stupid requirement that you have that the state has to be involved right so so all right so so now that we can get past you know arguing the merits of words Right. We can we can we can have a, a real discussion on the issue at hand um, and what it seems like the the Oregon's uh, you know, board is doing in this case is they're going, well, we, we we're not able to argue the merits at hand. Um, so we're going to hang up. We're going to hang everything on the use of the word engineer. Right. As long as you're not as long as you're not licensed by us. Right. Then everything you have to say about the issue is not only invalid, but illegal. Right. And so, so, you know, if Yalstrom, right, if Yalstrom wanted to, right, he could probably go get the engineering license because it seems like he's a smart guy and an actual engineer and probably wouldn't take much uh, aside from, you know, paying money to the state uh, to go get the engineering license. And like, what would they say then? Right. If he goes like, well, no, no, I'm a licensed engineer. I'm licensed by the board of engineers. And and here's what my study finds. And here's what I think. And here's what I've uh, my research has concluded about your red light cameras and so on and so forth. And like and then then what? Right. What would what would they have to say then, uh, you know, when when they actually have to discuss the merits of what he's talking about, as opposed to getting hung up on the words. Right. Even the even the mere fact that he's going through uh, with a lawsuit uh, to to sue them to, to to get a judgment made. Right. Is a, is a waste of his time and energy and a distraction from the issue at hand. Right. Nowhere in the article do we actually get into the the the, the nuts and bolts of what his research found. Uh, on the red light cameras, and maybe there's another article that discusses that, and this is not the point of this one, but fine, whatever, right? But wouldn't that be a, a more value uh, to the average reader or to the average listener, to the average uh, person who's you know living in this county in Oregon uh, looking at these red light cameras? Wouldn't that be of more importance uh, to them to find out what's really going on with the red light cameras rather than, uh, oh, no, he's suing over the use of the word engineer, Right. And I guess, you know, it, it, I, guess, I guess my point again, MC, is, um, you know, it, it, it's more important to get the merits uh, of the argument out than the use of the words. So, you know, if, if, if it were me, right, I just go, okay, so uh, I'm not an engineer then. Uh, here's my research found as an average other day citizen. Um, and here are my credentials, right, which is it's not a, it's not a, it wouldn't be illegal um, to list his credentials, which is, you know, I have a bachelor's degree of engineering from where, you know, wherever, from Cornell or whatever it happened to be, right? And they go like, well, this is my credentials. This is my background, like a resume, right? It's not, it's not lying. It's not illegal to say I have a degree from a university and then stating what that degree is. And then here's the, here's the, the findings of my research uh, as an average everyday citizen, every man from Oregon or from, you know, Norway, uh, who just happens to have a degree in engineering. Right. You know, now now balls in your court, uh, Oregon State Board of Engineering and Land Surveying. Uh, Can we can we discuss the merits of my research now? Um, Now that I've conceded your point uh, that I am not an engineer, merely an average everyday normal citizen, every man who just happens to have a degree in engineering from a prestigious university. 
right? What, what would they have to say then um, is what I want to know. Like, what, what do they fall back on? How would they wiggle and finagle their way uh, out of this when they can't hang their hat uh, on poor terminology and they actually have to discuss uh, the research at hand? MC? I have no idea. <laughs> I don't either. It's more rhetorical, but just throwing it to you for thoughts. <laughs> I think we're running out of time. All right, we can wrap it there. Close enough. Are we really out of time? Oh, yes. Look at that. Man, time flies uh, when you're discussing the, the horrendous nature of the state and the dastardly things that they do to people on a, on a regular basis to, to, to confound and make your life harder and more difficult and nonsense. <laughs> All right, final thoughts then? Uh, buy Monero. Make me rich. <laughs> he needs it without a regular full-time job yet yeah i don't know how much money he's gonna make selling weed as soon as he gets that license in there but the monero goes up so does M mc's income and i don't know that's good for everybody i guess uh buy, <laughs> buy monero and you know bye bye imf i guess um uh, that'll do it for us uh if you were able to find us um we might not be doing this on, on Mixler anymore, so we're going to be looking into other ways for doing that. If you're listening live on the website, uh, keep an eye out there uh, for some changes. Um, and depending on what we find on that aspect of it, we may no longer do uh, a live broadcast. Um, we may just you know post that we're doing it live, and you can call in and, and you know figure out a way to, to figure out what we're talking about. Uh, much, like, much like Cosmo Curmudgeon just wants to like, listen to the show on the phone. Um, that might be the best way, you know, if you, if you want to discuss it with us or, or call in, you might just have to like listen to it there. So we'll be looking at new ways to do the live broadcast. Otherwise we may still do call-ins if, you know, if you can get a hold of us, um, and then do podcast only for a little bit. But if you have suggestions, let us know on that. Uh, otherwise I'll be doing the research. Um, if we do end up keeping the live show, it'll still be on our website, anarchistexperience.com. Uh, still find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash anarchistexperience. Join the discussion in the groups, facebook.com slash groups slash anarchistexperience. And if you want to contribute to the show, because I post it there as well for people who want to donate, uh, it's the same show, whether you pay or not. So just go ahead and, and drop us a few coin uh, and we'll convert it to Monero. Right, MC? Uh, and we do that through Patreon, patreon.com slash the anarchist experience. Uh, thank you very much for listening, and we'll talk to you all next week. Um, hopefully back to our regular 10 a.m. Uh, Hawaii Standard Time Saturday morning time slot. That's, uh, what, 2000 GMT uh, on Saturdays. Uh, we'll talk to you all next week. Peace. <laughs>